Hey, everyone. You're listening to On the House with Spartan, an ad-free podcast brought to you by a full-service turnkey company. I'm your host, Lindsay Davis, CEO and co-founder of Spartan Invest. On this show, we talk about all things real estate, from market patterns, industry insight, construction, property management, and other investment avenues. We hope you'll join as we dive into today's episode of On the House with Spartan. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode. I'm really excited today. I have a special guest, Scott Saunders with API. Welcome, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. Lindsay, great to be with you here today. Really excited about this. Thank you. Awesome. Yes. Really, really pumped to talk about 1031 exchanges. We've seen a lot of those come through Spartan Invest and want to hear some more information. So tell us a a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been doing 1031 exchanges since 1988. So I've been in this space for a long time. Um, I'm the former president of the National Trade Association that does this nationally and still very involved with the group, um, involved with our government affairs, just educating people in Congress as to why 1031 exchanges are such an important tool for the economy, that it really creates transactional activity helps investors redeploy capital and prove assets. And um, so I spent a little bit of time just, you know, on both sides of the aisle. It's not a, it's not a partisan issue. It's just saying 1031 is good for the economy. And particularly as we kind of come out of the whole pandemic, people need to kind of repurpose, reimagine assets. And this is a great tool to help with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just from a very basic level, what is a 1031 exchange for any listener out there that may not be as familiar as we are with it? What is a 1031 exchange and and why is it so important and beneficial in real estate investing? Yeah. Well, let me start on just from the very basic level. If we take a taxable sale, somebody sells a property they receive cash for that. That's a taxable sale and you pay your capital gain taxes and we can talk about all the different levels. And in exchange, I have a property held for investment and I sell it to somebody, but instead of getting cash, I receive back what is called like-kind property. And that allows me to defer the taxes on that. So sale, property for cash, exchange, give up property, receive back like-kind property, And some people go, well, why is it called a 1031 exchange? It really originates back at a part of the tax code called Section 1031 of the code. It's been in the tax code, believe it or not, Lindsay, for 101 years. So this is something that's been around for a long time. And really, I'd say over the past couple of decades, investors have been utilizing it much more often because they've realized it's such a powerful tool to defer paying taxes redeploy capital into better performing properties. And so you're you're building cash flow, you're increasing your ROI, you're acquiring more assets. It's such a it's really the critical tool that allows an investor to grow and scale a, a real estate portfolio. Wow. I had absolutely no idea it had been in existence that long. That's kind of remarkable. I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are surprised. It's It's been around a long time. It's something that has got a large body of tax law supporting it. Now, you know, over time, things have been modified and we've got new rules and, you know, a little tweaks around the edges. But it's, it's just a great tool for investors of all types, whether you're single family investor, commercial, ranchers, farmers. It, it's got so many different applications. So what do you specifically do? Like, how do you help real estate investors kind of utilize uh, the 1031 exchange in the code? 
Yeah. When you do an exchange, you need what is called a qualified intermediary. Sometimes you'll hear them called a, a QI, a facilitator, an accommodator, an intermediary. They all perform the same role. But when you sell a property, you can't touch the cash yourself, right? You've got to have a middleman, a middle entity in there that structures the exchange and holds the proceeds. So as a qualified intermediary, somebody brings us into the picture. We get involved prior to closing. We prepare all the necessary paperwork. So there's some legal documents. And then when they sell a property, the money comes over to a qualified intermediary. We hold it in a separate account for them. And then they've got some certain time deadlines to now go ahead and accomplish their exchange in. So it's a really critical role uh, that we that we perform helping people to do that. Otherwise, if you sell and receive the cash or just leave it sitting in escrow or with the title company, it becomes a taxable sale. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, Lindsay, the market's been on fire for the last few years and people are pretty surprised about the tax that they'll be facing if they don't do an exchange. Right. Yes. As everybody is, I'm sure, aware, if you're listening to Real Estate Podcasting, you know that a lot of investors have seen just great appreciation and the the rise of popularity of 1031 exchanges, even more so over the last couple of years. I know at Spartan Invest, we have seen just a dramatic increase in those utilizing the 1031 exchange and selling properties that in Southern California and what you sell for one property out there, you can buy sometimes 10 properties in Alabama for uh, for what you've made on that particular property. Um, so yeah, it's we've seen it utilized quite a bit. Uh, when should an investor not do an exchange? Um, you don't want to do an exchange if you want to get out of real estate. So if you if you want to liquidate and go into other investments, stock market, mutual funds, whatever that might be, private investments, that's when you don't want to do an exchange. But as you pointed out, you know, we see so many investors in your situation there, Lindsay, they sell on the West Coast, a property for a million, million five, two million. And that could be a single family home. When they redeploy that capital to a place like Alabama, a market that's just a really solid linear market with good cash flow, they are blown away at the returns that are available, right? The cash flow, the increase in cash flow. And not only that, you get a little diversification, right? If you've got a bunch of different properties, if you've got one vacancy, it doesn't hit your cash flow. If you've got everything in one asset on the West Coast and it's vacant, you've got zero cash flow. So, Back to your question, you don't want to do an exchange if you're going to get out of real estate, which really I find most people that are in real estate want to keep growing their portfolio. I find very few real estate investors that go, oh, I don't like it. It's actually the opposite. People buy a few assets. They go, oh, this is great. I wish I would have bought it earlier. I wish I would have bought more property. Now, the other one that I'll mention is you know, near retirement. Maybe somebody doesn't want as much active management. But in the 1031 code, there's some really passive alternatives that are available too, uh, where people can go into a much more passive investment. So we see people, once they've got an education and they understand the options available, they realize that any type of real estate qualifies. So you maybe build your portfolio on single family rentals, and maybe later on you go into one commercial building or what are called Delaware Statutory Trust or other vehicles that are available. 
Yes, I I don't really see a lot right now of people selling their higher properties, taking that money and investing it in other like the stock market, right? We just we're not seeing a lot of a lot of that especially here uh here recently. So, what are like the the tax consequences? So you said, "Hey, if you're if you're looking to kind of get out of the real estate game, what are the consequences if an investor chooses not to do a ten, to an exchange purchase the the like properties. Yeah, they face actually there are four different taxes. So a common question we get asked is what's the capital gain tax? And it's a little bit more nuanced than that when we deal with real estate. With real estate we've got four potential taxes. So right off the top, you pay a tax of 25% on any what we call depreciation recapture. So if you've got a house, you've depreciated for 20 years, if you do a taxable sale, you're going to have to pay taxes on all of that depreciation you had for the last 20 years at a rate of 25%. So that's a big surprise to a lot of people. Add into that, now you've got federal capital gains, which are 15 or 20% on the remaining gain. You've got another tax, which is called the net investment income tax. So People that have income over certain thresholds, two hundred thousand for single filers, two fifty for married filing jointly, they pay an additional three point eight percent tax. And then the final one that is a big hit, state taxes. So the average state tax might be four, five, six, seven percent. But if you're in, you, you mentioned California. If you're in California, the state tax is thirteen point three percent on all the gain. So you've got all four levels of taxes together. And here's what I find. People are surprised that all of a sudden, by the time they look at paying all those taxes, they're left with a lot less money at the end of the day than they thought, because all of those four taxes that are combined really equal a pretty significant uh, check you're going to stroke to Uncle Sam and the state government. Man, and everyone only talks about the capital gains tax, right? That's that's usually the points like, hey, I, I want to avoid my capital gains tax. So that's why I utilize it. But you're not taking into consideration all of the other ones. Man, that really, really adds up. Absolutely. It really does. You know, one thing I, I recommend, just a, a great tip for anybody, talk to your CPA before you close on the sale of a property. Have them crunch the numbers and find out in advance what am I going to pay in taxes? I find most of the time people are shocked with the number. And then they might be looking for other alternatives. And, and as you know, Lindsay, we see so many people coming out of some of these markets where there's a lot of appreciation and exchanging into a market like Alabama, where there's really a whole lot more cash flow and a lot more diversification. So that's, that's a trend that I'm seeing uh, nationwide, where Capital's flowing from the West Coast to those types of markets as investors are realizing they can get such a better return on their investment. So there are a lot of opportunities out there and just it's important to find out before you close, hey, what am I going to pay in taxes if I don't do a 1031 exchange? Yes, 100%. Please talk to your CPA because I would imagine just like you said, it's a lot more than you're anticipating. Are you seeing that a lot? I know you said you're um, from you're out in Colorado. Are you seeing uh, a lot there of the 1031s being utilized? Absolutely. You know, they're utilized on all types of different assets. Um, you know, in Colorado, it could be a single family rental. It could be a commercial property. So retail, industrial, apartment, office. There's a whole nother segment. There are vacation homes that can qualify. So if you have 
a vacation home that's held for investment and meets certain requirements, you can exchange out of that. So in Colorado, we've got tons of vacation properties, but every state does, right? Lake Tahoe, you've got lake properties up in Minnesota. You've got vacation properties in Florida. So that's a whole nother niche. You've got things like um, easements that can qualify for an exchange, conservation easement, water rights in certain states. Uh, literally, you can exchange air, what's called a transferable development right in New York. There are a lot of just anything that's considered real property can qualify for an exchange if it's held for investment purposes. So there's there's just a wide range of applications. So I, I've heard... Um a ton, like I said, over the last few years about 1031 exchanges. And it's honestly like it's too good to be true, right? You can take what you've made, you can put it into another cash flowing asset. You could buy multiple properties, like you said, in a great emerging market like um, Birmingham, Alabama. What What are the cons? What's What's the catch with 1031s? Well, you know, the, I guess it's not a con, but there are some requirements in the code, right? So when you do an exchange, you've got to follow the rules. So let me kind of walk you through the time requirements of what's involved. So if you sell a property, you hire a qualified intermediary prior to closing. The day you close is day zero. So that's your day zero. You have 45 calendar days now to identify a property. So con number one is you've got a limited time frame of about a month and a half to identify potential properties. After day 45, you've got another 135 days, so a maximum of 180 to now close on property you've identified. So when we look at a con, you've got to go out and look for property right away. You've got to make offers and do that, and then you've got to close on it. So you've got specific time parameters to accomplish that. And maybe the other one would be the property also has to be held for investment. You can't go into something where you're going to do a quick flip. You've got to hold it for long-term investment, have it rented out, um, that type of thing. And sometimes people go, well, I've got a really good opportunity where I can buy it under market and I can sell it at a quick profit. That's not going to qualify for a 1031 exchange. You know, over the last couple of years, inventory has been pretty scarce. And so ha have you seen a lot of investors struggling to meet those deadlines? Because if they are engaged in one and they can't identify necessarily within those 45 days, you know, then it completely falls ineligible for a 1031. Is that how that works? That, it's correct. You've got a 45-day window where you have to identify specific properties. And, and you're right. You know, as the market has been relatively um, hot with low inventory, it's been challenging, no doubt about it. Now, recently, you know, we're doing this at the end of August. I would say over the last month or so, the market's starting to shift in many areas. So that has been a concern. I think it's not as much of a concern. And then the other piece that a lot of people don't know is you've got different ways to identify property, right? People think, well, I've got to identify the one house I'm going to go into, the next rental house. You've got the three property rule, which allows you to identify three potential properties. So you could use that. And if you only want to buy one, you can pick from all three of those and make it work. You've got another rule that is called the 200% rule. So if you sell for, let's just say, $900,000 on the West Coast, you can identify a whole bunch of properties, but not over 200% of what you sold. So up to $1.8 million. Well, you know, in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, $1.8 million, you can buy quite a basket of properties for that. So those are the two basic rules that are available. And when people realize that they've got those rules available, and now they've got 
that 45 day window. And, and then one extra tip here that's helpful. Your 45 days starts when you close. There's nothing that says you can't, when you list the property that you're selling, what we call the relinquished property, you can go ahead and start looking for the replacement property. So maybe they reach out to you at Spartan and say, here's what I'm selling for. What do you have in the pipeline? And then on your end, you can say, well, look, we don't have this now, but in the next month or so, this is what we have coming up. So a key tip, I think, a pro tip, communicate on the purchase side. If you're working with a broker, let them know what your price parameters are, what you're looking for. If you're working with a, a provider of properties like Spartan Invest, reach out, have that con, get the dialogue going, and that really helps. So you're not limited to when you finally close. You can start working on it, you know, as soon as you list your property or a month or two in advance to kind of do some pre-positioning. I'll tell you, that's what that's what people that have been doing this for a while take advantage of. I, I personally did two 1031s last year. I didn't even sell my property, my property in Arizona, until I picked up my replacement properties in the Midwest market. So I had everything lined up that I was going to purchase before I even listed I knew in Phoenix I could sell that property in a matter of days. So I focused more on the purchase side first, then I listed my property. Yes. I, I'm going to take that snippet of what you just said, and I'm going to put it on a loudspeaker for everyone to hear. You're absolutely right. That is such an important tip because we work really hard and work well with 1031 Exchange when they give us as much time as possible. Like, hey, I'm projected to have X number, so I want you know, why number of properties. And we also, you know, you can over identify just as you uh, just clarified to make sure that they're protected in case anything happens, like with the renovation or appraisals or anything like that, just as a, a safety net. But we often have times where investors will come. It's like, hey, I've got five more days. I have five more days to identify. What do you have? And we're like, absolutely. Um, you know, if I, I've got one property available right now, you know, so it, it really just yeah. depends. It has slow uh slowed down over the last couple of months I, I know with the interest rates but you know it, it needed to it needed to kind of slow down a, a little bit and yep, so it, it's, you know it's given us an opportunity to buy buy more inventory there's less comp uh, competition out there so we're able to then pass on those savings so our prices that we're putting out right now are a little bit lower than they have been so it's it's a win win as those rental rates continue to um, to increase but yes do this early as possible that's that was a, a great piece of advice absolutely um, have you seen a slowdown over the last of six weeks or so yeah without a doubt I think um, you know the interest rates have got people a little bit on the sidelines. Um, they're a little concerned. Um, so certainly we've seen that the, the frenzy that has been in the market, you know, for the past, you know, couple years, give or take the frenzy is going away. And, and like you, I think that's good to go more to a balanced market where we can, you know, we don't have to scramble where we've just got more of a balanced, a little bit more inventory, um, on the property being sold. You don't necessarily have, you know, 10, 15, 20 offers with people bidding up just a balanced market. That's good. Um, you know, I, I think honestly, if I were to be objective, I think people are overreacting a little bit on the interest rate side. If you go back historically, look at the last 20 years, having rates of let's say 6%, 6.5, that's still a great rate. And you can make a property cash flow at that property. Now, maybe it's not cash flowing as much. Maybe you're getting 100 bucks less. 
but you're still getting cash flow. And think of what we have going on now with inflation, Lindsay, right? Where do I want my money? I like real estate because that protects my money. I love the fact that rent growth is going up. So that's going to, whatever I start with in a couple of years, it's now going to be increasing. So there are all these great variables. And, and I want to begin to talk about buying a property leverage and debasing debt with inflation. And we have all these levers we can pull right now with inflation. Real estate's probably the best place to put your capital. It's a whole lot better than the stock market, which is, is a little wobbly at the moment, to say the least. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have, it, it's hands down your best hedge against inflation. And we could talk four hours on, on why that is, right? And I, I do, I completely agree with you. I think that the, the panic is a little overblown, but what we've started to see just at Spartan is prior to, which at the interest rates being, uh, historically low. It was a frenzy and everybody was just grabbing up properties as quickly as possible. But we've seen the real investors, the investors that have been accumulating rental properties, they've been building their portfolios. We're seeing them circle back to us now. It's like, okay, now that everything's kind of calming down, what what do you have? What do you have available? And so we're really excited to see just a more balanced, like you said, market um, very much. So what would be your go-to advice for investors looking to do an exchange? Uh, Go-to advice. Number one, don't wait till the last minute to set up the 1031 exchange. That is not a great idea. When the market was in that frenzy, there were actually people that just couldn't be serviced. They were there an hour or two before closing and they missed their opportunity window. So go-to advice. Number one, set up the exchange. Normally when you get the property under contract, that's when you can set up the exchange. So you've got a month in advance. Uh, The second piece would be bring in your partners, right? Bring in your CPA to look at your taxes and look at your situation. People have unique situations. People might have suspended carry forward losses. Uh, They might have entity issues. So bring in a good tax expert who can look at your situation and assess it. And they're also going to crunch the numbers and tell you, here's what you're going to pay in taxes. Find that out in advance as well. Um, One thing we haven't talked about, Lindsay, that is just a small little detail I want to touch upon. In an exchange, if you want 100% deferral, you've got to reinvest your net equity, so your net proceeds after closing costs. Number two, you've got to have the same or a greater amount of debt on the property sold. Now, you could do that on one asset, or you can add it up on a bunch of single-family rentals. So just keep in mind, it's both reinvesting the net equity and having the same or greater debt. Now, that's if you want 100% deferral. Many people opt for partially deferred exchanges. So there's nothing that says, hey, if I sell for a million dollars and I buy for, let's say, eight fifty dollars in Alabama, well, I'll pay taxes on what I, the money I put in my pocket. That's called boot. And you still get a lot of the benefits of an exchange, and you only pay taxes on that little bit of cash you put in your pocket as taxable boot. So keep in mind, a 1031 exchange is not an all-or-nothing proposition. You've worked with many investors. You know sometimes you can line it up perfectly, and sometimes you get close but not exactly. You still get 90-some percent or 95 percent of the benefits. So don't don't let that prevent you from doing an exchange because maybe you can't get the numbers to add, add up just perfectly. You still get the 
the lion's share of the benefits, tax deferral benefits. And it is such a powerful tool to build up equity. This is how everybody gets ahead in America, um, is doing 1031s. You can exchange over and over and over. And here's what you do. People go, well, I'm going to have to pay my taxes eventually, right? So maybe I'll just pay them now. You don't with an exchange. You can keep exchanging. You pass away and your heirs now get a step up in basis to the fair market value at the time you uh, you pass away. So it's a powerful tool to build a massive real estate portfolio in your lifetime and then pass on highly appreciated assets to your heirs. They don't pay any capital gain taxes either. So it's a phenomenal, there's nothing like this. If you had this in the code with stocks, everybody would be doing this. In re investment real estate, we've got this wonderful tax provision in the code and it, it makes a lot of sense to at least look at it. And if you haven't done an exchange, do your first one. Once you do an exchange, you'll probably do them over and over and over when you see the benefits of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the death benefit of it is, is, is very huge. And working with someone to make sure that you're calculating, if you do want 100% deferral, working with API, working with you, Scott, would benefit the investor because they would, you guys would be able to say, okay, this is exactly how much you need. You would help calculate and help choose, right? You kind of help walk through the process uh, for the investors looking to, to perform a 1031. Ab absolutely. That's part of our intake process is how are you on title? What do you want to accomplish? What's your net equity? What's your debt? So we try to kind of touch upon the basics and get a good bird's eye overview of what's going on. And then we'll let you know, here's what you need to do for full tax deferral. Here are things to be aware of. You know, sometimes entity issues come in, right? You're maybe a, you hold title as a, a single person and now you want to buy in a single member disregarded LLC for liability. We, we talk about all those types of issues where we provide a lot of value. Now we can't give tax advice. So we're, we're a great part of the team. We're a great resource, but you still want to involve your CPA to look at your tax situation, but certainly a good qualified intermediary can add a lot of value because we've done this process hundreds of thousands of times. So we've done it quite a bit. How do we learn more? How do anybody listening learn more about working with you, your website? How do we get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, phone number is 800-282-1031. That's an easy one to remember. The website is apiexchange.com. And I would just encourage people, we do a free consultation. Whether you have a transaction going on now um, or something that may come up in the future, make a phone call and, and spend five, 10 minutes on the phone reviewing your individual transaction. We spend most of our time during the day just talking to people about upcoming transactions. Now you can pre-position and when they circle back to you, Lindsay, and say, okay, now I've made the decision, I wanna do this. Now all of a sudden they've started to be able to connect the dots, right? They've got their exchange piece set up. They reach out to you on the replacement property and say, this is what I need to purchase to have 100% deferral. And that's how we can all work well together and make it a really smooth, seamless transaction. Awesome, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate having you on and talking, uh, just like you said, about this uh, amazing opportunity with through 1031 Exchanges. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it as well. Thank you guys for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 
If you want to learn more, check us out online at SpartanInvest.com. Until next time, this is On the House with Spartan.